0: listening to Women and Music by Goldhand Girls, and we are your hosts, Alexa Ace and Michaela Chandler. Have you ever considered writing a blog or thought about how far writing could take you? Today's guest is a great example of how starting your own online music database can exponentially heighten your skill set and take your career to the next level. Erica Campbell is a
1: music journalist, editor, producer, and host based in New York City. Her stories on entertainment, lifestyle, and culture have been featured in Nylon, playboy and the huffington post
0: erica is also the former music editor at the iconic consequence of sound and current managing editor at patreon
1: we have one question for you listeners are Are you you ready ready to rock rock?
0: (laughs) erica campbell hello 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 erica how are you today I am doing amazing, it's beautiful
2: in New York City today. How are you doing?
0: We're doing great. Fantastic, got some Starbucks, Um, doing great on this end. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so
2: my name's Erica, like you mentioned, I am a rock journalist. I've been writing for, I think, like the past five years now in the music industry. Um, I live in New York City with my dog, Maddox. He's a Yorkie, he's amazing. In a little apartment where we hoard uh, boots together um always trying to make David Bowie proud with my assortment of star-ornamented boots yes, and of course yeah that's that's the the high end level of it but yeah i i write and i mostly write about music sometimes i post sometimes i produce but you know mostly writing about music and interviewing artists about why they're creating things and trying to be a conduit for readers and fans so that they feel closer to the music
1: how did that even come about like what what immediately piqued your interest for writing and especially in music.
2: I've always been a writer. I think like a lot of people who are that way, like and I don't know if either of you were this way, but you like kept journals when you were younger or oh yeah. You took creative writing classes. Yeah. Like I used to um it's funny because people say like when whatever it is that you're supposed to do with your life, like there's probably hints early on that you were doing it before you even imagine getting paid for it. And I think with music writing specifically, it was like the universe had been dropping hits since uh, day one like i used to in like first grade take the printer paper from our computer and fold it in half and staple in the middle and like make my own magazines and like write in them and um and i would constantly write about things that i think because i was such a music fan that would just naturally end up being a part of what i was writing so um like blogging about concerts i went to or spending an whole, like inordinate amount of time on tumblr just talking about music and my favorite bands and just as a writer you're naturally kind of writing these posts and you're writing these articles without thinking about it but because it just feels so natural you're like though this isn't a career move this is just like this should i do in my free time so um i didn't really think about music journalism as like a viable career it kind of just like happened because i wanted to go see the killers play at bunbury festival in cincinnati and at the time my partner was like we're not paying for you to go see the killers again because i I think i would just seen them in vegas like open the t-mobile arena um and i lived in atlanta at the time so i'd flown to vegas to see them they would came to atlanta but like i just remember it like immediately in my head it was like a voice like deep down inside of myself was like write about it and i was like yeah that's you know that's what you do and it was really I was really lucky to be naive about the music industry because it just seems like such an easy thing to do to just like, oh, if you wanna go see a band for free, you just tell them they'll write about it. Boom, you get in. Um, So my sisters, when um, I think I was like either in high school or college, had started a magazine called Siege Magazine, which was like hip hop focused. And they had actually, gone to the bt awards and covered it from the red carpet and so in my head i was like yeah it you know that's it's like what you do if you want to talk to artists or you want to get access to something you write about it and my sister had actually gotten me a pass like baby's first backstage pass to go see panic at the disco play this college show at georgia state um in atlanta um, with her magazine so i went to go see them and it was like the first time i wrote about like and reviewed a band and I did it for my blog and I didn't really think about it, but I knew because of the fact that I was able to do that, that like, if I wanted to go to this festival and see the killers and see the lineup, I think Florence and the machine were playing. It was like, I really wanted to go that, you know, simple, simple solution. I'll just write about it. Um, so I really naively just like found a few, online publications that I knew covered festivals. I made a website really quickly with like my one clip, which was the Panic at the Disco article that I wrote that hopefully no one ever sees because it's not well written at all, but it was just like there out where I could point to it. Um, And then I applied for literally two places that were not hiring. I sent them an email and said, can I cover festivals for you? One of them responded. It was this publication called Festival Snobs that's um, not around now, but founded by this, gentleman named nick who i still kind of chat with sometimes but he was like sure just give me some writing samples write about a few things and then if they go well we'll let you apply for the festival so they went well i applied for the festival i got and this all happened in like two weeks time wow Um, i was wondering i got yeah i got approved i packed up my mini cooper i drove to cincinnati by myself um stayed in an airbnb went to the festival covered it And while I was there, I interviewed this band called the Mowgli's and I did not plan to interview any bands, but they reached out and asked if I wanted to do an interview and me being me, I'm like, yeah, sure. I would love to do an interview. Um, So I went out with them and their trailer and talked to them about what they're passionate about and their album that they were coming out with. And I loved it so much. I've never, I'd never like up until that point felt more like it was just like this moment of this is obvious what you're supposed to be doing like something else turned on like whatever the person I was in that moment it was like this is who you are because the conversation you're having and the inner and that's taking place right now is exactly what you're meant to be doing um and I remember getting back from Bunbury festival and going through and transcribing the interview and I just started crying Mm. it was the most like ridiculous thing it was it wasn't like a it was like my body just started crying because I loved it so much I was like this is the thing, like, whatever this is that you're feeling right now, you've got to chase this. Exactly. So I worked for a few publications for free. Like, I was like an indie writer for Ear Milk for a while. I wrote some reviews and song premieres for Lady Gun magazine. And then I started covering festivals for them, which that's how I've met so many people in the music industry. And then I started doing feature writing for them and profiled and leveraged experience into writing bigger publications and just kept going and honestly like part of it was like some of it was strategic right I was like I knew I want to write publication or Mm -hmm. I know I need to have a pitch outline this way or I know I need to know x y and z in the music industry to get to this next place but a lot of it was literally just chasing what was lighting me up and being Mm -hmm. like I like this I want to write about it or I like this band I want to go see them about them or I like the way that this publication talks. I got to figure out who the editor is so I can talk to them so I can write for them. So it was an interesting balance of just like genuine desire to do something and also like really being willing to do the fucking work because I wanted it so bad.
0: Yeah. So you said that you packed your bags up and went to Cincinnati. I want to talk about that because you said after that you felt so much passion that you started crying how did that how did that passion fuel you to start reaching out to these other publications such as air milk and lady gun
2: I really feel like once you decide something those people and those opportunities start to pop up and it's like your job to take advantage of it that's right and to actually like see it for what it is so there were things that were like in my peripheral that I wasn't paying attention to until I was like oh shit like I do want to be a music journalist like I do feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing, where I started to look around and like I was on Twitter and I would see people posting things and, oh, like we're looking for a writer for X, Y, and Z. And I'd be like, I don't think I'm the right person for that. I i don't have the experience. I'm not qualified. Whereas when I made the decision, like, this is what you're meant to be doing. This is what you're passionate about. I, I'd see those things and I'm like, why not reach out and see what happens? There was a ton of people I reached out to that didn't respond or that didn't get back to me or that weren't interested in working with me too. But I didn't let that get in the way of like the drive to reach out to the people that did respond, you know, like it was definitely trial and error. But I think knowing that I wanted to really be in the space of the person that was doing what they were meant to be doing and what I was good at helped me to focus in on just like what is working as opposed to losing steam because I think in the music industry, you're going to get like a lot of rejections sometimes and you're not always going to get yeses. So it's good to just kind of go back to like, why are you doing this? Knowing the why is what kind of pushed me and then not being afraid to reach out to people or like scared or worried about rejection and just focusing on like, okay, this person said no, I'm going to ask somebody else. I'm going to keep asking until somebody says yes.
0: So when you reached out to people, did you reach out via DM or email
2: or how did you? Oh, no, I've always... I've I've always reached out during, like, via email. I mean, I know, like, right now, just, like, the way our culture is, we do a lot of, like, we slide into DMs a lot. Mm-hmm. But sure do. Um, I think especially when it comes to music publications, like, you should definitely send an email.
1: How do you find those emails? like, if you can't find a contact, like, what is your tips and
2: tricks? There's so many resources to find people's contact information, which is, like, one of my pet peeves is people reach out to me, and they'll just, like, try to use me as, like, a Rolodex, and it's, Mm -mm. like, I've spent years going through the research of finding people, but it's not even, like, I don't want to share it. It's, like, how bad do you want it? Like go find it. Like when I started writing, there weren't places like there's a publication or sorry, a community called Study Hall that literally has, like you sign up for a certain amount of month, like less than, I think like $3 a month. And they give you resources for editors names or like publications you can reach out to and who at the publication is able to let you land a story i could name like a bunch of places like like uh music journalism insiders and newsletter that does something similar like they share resources for music publications and who the editors are um there's this girl that has an email newsletter called like bitchin pitchin list that also does that we're talking three dollars like you're spending three dollars to get the names of every single person that you'd want to write for not only that but like twitter everyone has their emails like in their bios Mm -hmm. or if they're accepting pitches they're more than likely going to share their email because how are they going to accept the pitch? So that information is out there. It is all over the internet. It is not hard to find. I really think that most people that are like, I don't know how to find that person are just not doing the work, which is kind of like, if you're not, if you don't have, the drive to find the editor's email address, then you're probably not the right person to be writing True. in the music industry yeah. because it's gonna be like that the whole time. And it's gonna, gonna be you're transparent. Gonna be, yeah. That you're not right. willing
0: to do the work. It'll or pick up the magazine. Yeah. Like, typically in the magazine. So going back yeah. to your you talking about
1: pitches, can you kind of break down like what is needed in a pitch? How should you how should
2: you outline that? If you've got a really cool story, what is what does a pitch look like? I mean, that's a, it really depends on the story that you're telling and the publication that you're reaching out to. And pitching can kind of, like, it feels daunting sometimes. It could be a little bit of, like, an art at, on in some cases. And it's also about, like, if you start working with publication, knowing how they accept pitches and knowing the format they like, to go read the publication. I feel like so many people just want to land a story somewhere and they've never even read the publication. So they think that the story that they're writing is, like, a good fit, period, and it's, like, either someone just wrote a story, a similar story for the publication, or they don't even cover that, or they're reaching out to an editor that like does like entertainment, but books is on and they wanna write about music. So those are some things to be thinking about. Um, I think with pitches in general though, so when I was at Consequence, a lot of pitches I would get for stories weren't real pitches. So they were more about like ideas as opposed to actual stories. So instead of it being like, I'd like to interview the killers about how the current political environment has impacted their story writing process by asking them X, Y, and Z and rolling it back into their whole discography, like really getting to like the meat of what you want to talk about. They would just be like, I'd like to interview this band that's coming out with an album. And that's not enough for anybody to go with. Like, that's not a, that's not a story. That's an idea um or they'd be like i'd like to write about how the me too movement impacts bands and like that's that's an idea that doesn't tell me what you're going to write about doesn't tell me what sources you're going to talk to it doesn't tell me what you because i mean oftentimes you don't know what the story is going to be about until it's written or until you talk to sources but like what's your hypothesis what do you think you're going to find out do you think that you're going to show that most people treat the music industry differently because of the me too movement. Do you think that people you're going to find that there needs to be more work done like like let me know what you're actually going to try to do with this story and treat it as more of like something that you're going to talk to people about and research as opposed to an idea that might just be better left like on your personal blog.
1: So being a freelance writer, do you like do you map out do you actually write your whole story? Like do the legwork do the bones of it and then pitch or
0: like what I'm, I'm just what separates a pitch from an idea. I think, cause I'm like, thank you also, Erica. That was great advice. So, and it, yes. cause I've done it. I've been, I've done like both of those. I've, I've, I've sent really personal pitches and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. That was way too personal. That meant way too much to me and probably not as much to whoever's reading it on the other end. But how do you like differentiate an idea from a pitch, do you have any examples by any
2: chance? I think a really good way to look at it and kind of going back to what you just said too about oh, that was super personal to me. Like, does anybody ask yourself if you were reading it and you didn't know you and you weren't you, would you be interested in the story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a good way to kind of filter out yeah. what we think is like a fun idea versus like what's actually like a printable story. But I will say, one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten as a writer pitching is bring yourself to the story why are you the person that should be qualified to write this I, I I'll get pitches sometimes and I'm like oh this is a great pitch but why are you what about you makes you the right person to tell this story it's important that the person writing the story can speak to it I think it is important to bring yourself to the story but it's also really important to clarify like when you're writing an editor why are you the right person to write this story
0: wow I think that's great I think that I mean if you're listening to this right now take erica's advice because i wish i would have heard the majority of what you just said five years ago um
2: yeah and you like kind of learn these things by doing them and a lot of i think a lot of people have done the work of just like the trial and error which it's like it's just like a good thing to just try because you can figure it out really well if you're pitching constantly and some editors will you know give you the time to give you feedback on your pitches and sometimes they don't have the time because I mean, they're getting a lot of emails, so never feel bad if they don't have the time, but really be receptive to it. Like what's working, what's landing and what isn't. Try to be like a little, you know, scientific about it. Like, okay, these are the types of stories that are actually landing versus these types of stories. What is it about this pitch that felt right versus the other one that, you know, no one was interested in?
1: And I feel like I'm the world's worst at I'll pitch something and then, it's like I just put it out into space and I never follow up.
0: Following like, up. That's what, a good one. What is your advice for following up after that pitch? So, and also, how many times I, is too many?
2: Yeah, this is, these are <laughs> great questions. Um, <laughs> the music industry is a shoot your shot culture.
0: Absolutely. Like, if you're not
2: going to shoot your shot, then just go. <laughs> like, because no one, like, we don't have time. So, if, if somebody emails me a pitch and I, don't, I didn't see it, and they follow up. There's a chance that I might see it. Like I've talked to some of my friends about this, or like younger writers about this as well. Like, what's the worst that could happen if you follow up too many times? Okay, you're a little annoying. But what's the best that could happen? You land the story. I'm not saying email someone every single day. Like that's a bit much. But like following up two times on a story. There are so many articles that I have written and that have been published that I had to follow up on. And like, who knows if they would have been written if I was like, oh. They didn't respond the first time, guess it's a shit Mm -hmm. pitch and just like moved on, you know? Um, But I also think that there's a level of confidence, right? Like if you know that pitch is good, then I think you're more likely going to follow up on it. And if it's something that you kind of threw together that you're like, "Mm, it's kind of okay, then you might not feel as driven to. But there have been stories where I have sent the pitch and I'm like, that is a good story. Like Mm -hmm. if they don't take it, they're insane. And like when you're that kind of confident about it because you know you've like really put in the time and you've thought about it and you've got like this tight 250 words that's like a clear synopsis of the best story that you're about to write, you're going to follow up on that because you want to see that story. You want to read it yourself. So I think that's a part of it too. Like when you really know that it's a great idea and that it's going to be something that not only you want to write but you would want to read you're probably going to be more confident in following up on it because you're, you know, you're not just throwing something against the wall. You're really trying to make something great happen. Love
1: that. And now on the flip of that, if you're given a pitch from your editor to cover a story, how do you find passion in something that you're not necessarily attached to?
2: That is such a good question. Um, I honestly feel like, and this is something I've been talking a lot about lately too, is like, sometimes you have to Drum up the enthusiasm for things. Like, you have to get excited about things that aren't always exciting. I think, and I'm sure that both of you have experienced this as well. This industry can feel very flashy and very sexy and very cool on the outside. And, like, that's the packaging. But a lot of it can be very tedious and mundane. And there's following up on invoices or there's putting the infrastructure together to start something like a podcast or to, like, put the billing together to make sure people are getting paid. There aren't there are parts of this that are not always the most interesting. And I think when you're writing for a publication and you have to do a job and you have an assignment, sometimes you just have to be done. Um, if there's something that you're writing that's completely out of your wheelhouse and you don't think you're the right person for it and you're being assigned it, that's a conversation to have with your editor. But I honestly think that there's a way to write with integrity and still write with your voice, even if you don't feel like the story is specifically something that you would have chosen to write yourself sometimes you have to write your assignments even if you don't love them but don't throw something out there because it's like well i'm not as excited about this as a story that i'm like wanting to write like treat it like a story that you want to write use it to get your voice out there so that people know that you're a good writer
1: and i think too a lot of times the assignments that you're not as excited about you tend to take the most from because it's a
0: challenge like you Mm -hmm. weren't expecting yourself in the other person's shoes in a lot of way I nice. mean, um, that kind of leads us to our next question, Erica. What advice do you have to best interview artists?
2: It's research <laughs> really, really research, like take the time, get to know their music, get to know their previous interviews. you're not asking them the same questions that they've already been asked before, and study and try to remember, not even remember in a way that's like, oh, I'm going to remember these questions and then like parrot them back to an artist. but Remember what you've learned about them so you can just go have a conversation without feeling like you have to like rely on your notes too much. Mm -hmm. Have notes, but go have a conversation so that you can be like human, human talking, not music, journalist, musician talking, because that's not going to be as interesting. I'm
0: noticing a common theme here, too. And I feel like a lot of what you're saying, Erica, is it like what you put into you is what you get out of the world. Is that kind of something that you believe
2: in? For me, it's very much like mindset and like what what do I believe? Why am I even doing this? Because I think a lot of times we just forget because it's really easy to forget. Like, why am I even creating these things? Like, why did I want to do this in the first place? And I think on that side of it, making sure that there's like some integrity of why you started, and that kind of helps you to put more value into things. But I also think sometimes it's about looking at other people. Like, how do you give back? Like, even this conversation. Like, hopefully somebody gets something out of it and they start writing and then like we're giving something to them so yeah I definitely think it's about what you uh put in for yourself but also you know what you are willing to give to other people what
1: are some of those things on your plate right now like what do you hope to give to the world
2: right now my biggest thing especially with just like the state of everything happening around us is even in my my personal life but when it comes to people younger than me coming up in this industry specifically women and especially women of color is just encouraging people to be able to like create the careers and realities that they want I think so often people look around at what's you know what they think is possible for them based on what's happened so far like when I was growing up or when I wanted to start working after college I didn't see like black women rock journalists writing about the strokes Mm -hmm. so I had no one to point to to be like oh like that's a possibility for me like I could obviously make that a career you know I mostly saw like a bunch of white dudes working at Rolling Stone or like the people that were covering the stories that I cared about didn't look like me and so I didn't really it wasn't that I thought it was impossible it just wasn't like in my face as a yes women work in the music industry and are successful like that wasn't a common theme so I just hope that when I create things or when people see more women working in the music industry successfully, that they start to realize like, oh, that's clearly a possibility for me. Yeah. And that even if it doesn't inspire them to be in the music industry per se, it just inspires them to go like, okay, if this person can create whatever career they want and they didn't need other people to give them permission, then I can do that as well.
0: I Thank you. Love that so Thank much. You. What a way to represent that's I mean, that's exactly what women of music is about, is about creating something that should be there it's about creating that like equal representation or even just like representation in any way shape or form for any sort of minority um erica what does the black lives matter movement mean to you
2: honestly right now for me it just it feels like it i just like that people are paying attention i think it's such a it's like we're kind of figuring it all out in real time right so Nobody has all the answers. Nobody knows exactly the right way to use their platforms to speak out. Um, it's It could be a really confusing time and it could be a very scary time, I think especially in the music industry because nobody knows like what's the right thing to say and how do I say it. Um, even if at the core everyone's intentions are good, it's like figuring out the right ways and the wrong ways to navigate the Black Lives Matter movement is just been interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think it's important just to like make sure people know at the end of the day that you believe that human beings deserve rights. Yeah. If it's as simple as that, if we go to that at the core and you're like, I believe that human beings deserve rights, that all human beings deserve rights, regardless of their gender or their race or you know. I just believe that human beings deserve rights and that they deserve the right to live and that they deserve equal opportunities and that they deserve to be treated with respect and love and kindness. Like if we could all just go back to the core of that and then make decisions from that place, it starts to be a lot easier to say, like, we should be more um, worried about human beings and their lives as opposed to property, like really Mm -hmm. simple shit. That should just be obvious to you if you're like an empathetic, loving and kind human being. I think especially in this space, it's like, like I was saying before about the whole, like, why are we here? Like, I like connecting with people. I want people to feel loved and united. And I feel like music does that. And it's so cheesy to say out loud, but it's so true. It like, does. It's I'm, so yeah, true. It's just so music true. Music is like, cheesy.
1: <laughs> no, it's um, not.
2: It's, it's a little cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> um, like, even like going to, a, like, you, when you're at a show and the lights go out and you're in that, that room moment. with all those people. Like, you don't even know those, I don't know those people. Like, when I'm sitting there and I'm singing along, to a something, like, I'm, like, ext- like, the ecstasy, the enthusiasm, like, the love that I have for that, like, the people in that room at that moment, like, that's the feeling that I want to bring into the rest of the world. So, like, for us, if, if that's what we're trying to experience, if that's, like, the dragon we're chasing, is, that is like, what music makes us feel like, how could we, like, not want to speak up for everyone and want people to be treated well and care about human rights? Like, How are we, the people that are like, okay, for our careers, we're going to spread this like good innate feeling and connect with people. And then on the other side of that, be like, but also we don't really give a fuck about human rights. Like, how does that even make any sense? What the
0: fuck? That that makes no sense. Especially in the music industry, none at all. So that's, that's my, my
2: thoughts on it is like, just people get confused or people get into like the, they get distracted, but it's like, let's just go back to the core we want to connect. We believe that human beings are amazing and deserve rights and deserve to live and breathe and love. Let's go back to that. And let's make decisions from that place. And if we believe that as a baseline, then we should speak up for people who are being treated unjustly. And we should speak up when people are being murdered in the streets, because Mm -hmm. that's innately who we are. Like, just plain and simple, just bring it back to the baseline of like, we should care about human beings. Yeah, just be empathetic. Like, why would you not be? Yeah, it's the strangest thing to me.
0: Thank you. And I think the music industry, too, I mean, this, co- this is a whole topic of conversation in its own, but I think the music industry, as you said earlier, is a lot of like flashy, like glamorous, like, oh, look at that, like iconic celebrity. Sometimes lyricism is misogynistic. And yeah. so I, I, I love that you're saying like, let's go back to the baseline. Let's go back to like, not just the, the 60s and the 70s, but yes, lyricism can be misogynistic, um, but the music industry isn't the problem.
1: Well, I'd, I'd play on that too and say like Cardi B's WAP, like it's, there's a lot of misogyny in it. And I would say like, but for me, it's empowering.
0: Yeah. Like I
1: take a lot of pride in that. And I'm like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me say it out of every day, every day,
2: every single day. There's just a, it's a, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's such a, it's a strange balance to strike, right? Like you want people to write about things and, Art isn't always meant to be more than what it like. Sometimes a song is really a, a song to entertain you, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wor- I wonder about that. Like, and I don't have the answer. I'm just curious about it. Like, wh- like, when, do, where do we draw the line? Like, when do, can I be entertained, and when do I need to like really hear a message from somebody yeah. through their music on what they believe? Yeah, or watch um, the words that you're singing out loud. Yeah, or watch the words that you're singing out loud. So yeah, I think it's. It's a hard, that's a hard one for me because there are times like, this is just a really fun song and I need nothing else of it. And there are times where I'm like, this is a really great song. And it feels like motivating to know this person political beliefs. So I think there's a spectrum and I, I, I feel like it's just hard in this industry where you're trying to entertain people, but you're kind of thrown in a position where you have a lot to say and you have a platform. So you have to kind of use it wisely. How do you celebrate yourself? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> how do I celebrate myself? I have a hard time with that. I like, it's an ongoing thing that I've, I've like, I'm, I like talking about my work and I like sharing my work because I do feel like it's, a lot of times it feels bigger than me and it feels like it can inspire other people. And I wanna share these stories. That means you're doing I, it right. Yeah, I hope so. But a part of me is like, I have a hard time celebrating because I'm trying to do the next thing. Like, I'm like, I don't want to stay still for too long. And I worry sometimes that, like, if I celebrate too much, like if I'm in the sidelines after the touchdown, I'm going to miss the next play. I know nothing about sports. I don't even know if that <laughs> analogy makes sense.
0: I don't know okay. either. <laughs> You're golden. You're golden. Doesn't Kayla it sound more. like
2: it sounds right, though, right? Like, okay. So you don't want
0: to miss the next touchdown.
2: I don't want to miss the next touchdown because I'm celebrating in the end zone. I feel like that sounds right, too. Yes. Um, so that that's where i'm at where i'm like i i celebrate pretty quickly i'm like yes next um
0: i think uh, that that's also just like a a really great example of an ambitious woman like we we give ourselves like maybe like i I like that you're saying that because i feel like i feel like a lot of the times people will celebrate themselves like oh i'm gonna get a cbd bath which is what i do honestly but i but i love that you're like no i'm gonna celebrate i'm gonna celebrate i'm gonna accept I'm gonna accept my greatness and what I've done and what I've provided for myself, um, but then I'm gonna keep going because it's not the end. Do you think that falls
1: onto yeah. mindset too? That women are taught, oh no, that's not good enough. Keep going, and men are taught to like
2: celebrate. Like, woo-hoo. oh my gosh, one hundred thousand percent. Like we are, we are taught from day one to kind of be sacrificed. Like our our whole like like society in general is basically telling us that the most valuable things about us as women is what we can do for others. Like nurturing men, nurturing our children, nurturing like being teachers, being like, they really want us to be in these certain roles. And none of those things are bad. Like, I think they're all great things. They're human things. They're human things, beautiful things. things, not just gender things. But like the expectation is like, that's it. And I think that's a big thing about celebrating yourself too. It could feel, a little negative at times because we're so like we're so told like we're told our whole lives that we should be thinking about others all the time so like taking a step back and taking care of yourself and going okay i did do that i fucking i I killed Mm -hmm. that and really reveling in it could feel uncomfortable but it's like there needs to be space for the reveling and there needs to be space for the cbd baths but um in a way that doesn't uh, like I just don't want to lose my enthusiasm for the next thing like i don't want to feel like oh i did that i'm done but i do think that there needs to be like space for allowing yourself to be like i deserve celebration i deserve pleasure and i'm getting to a place where i'm more aware of that and i'm making it like a daily choice to be like okay let's put some joy in here like you're writing all day you're doing this but like maybe go on a walk maybe
0: meditate um speaking of pleasure i want to very quickly just say um so for those who are listening, Eric has also written for Playboy, which is fucking awesome, I think. What are your thoughts over that? When you, when you got presented with, I mean, when they reached out
2: to you? So I reached out to them, oh. um, just to be clear. Love and it. I also want to say, because we talked about pitching and people that are just starting to write, like I straight up found their information on, I think it was on Twitter or the masthead on their website and I cold pitched because, like, I had this story idea. So never be afraid to cold pitch. Make sure that you have, like, your layout ready, that your story's good, like we talked about. But, like, don't ever think, like, oh, that's too big for me. What is like, cold I don't pitching? Know.
1: Can you break that cold down? Cold pitching is,
2: like, you've never talked to an editor before. You've just never talked to them. They don't know who you are. You're out of nowhere. You just send them an email. Like, that's it. Um, and that's what I did with Playboy, and it worked. So, and then we built a relationship, so I, I wrote for them a few more times. So. I definitely think, like, if you are thinking about reaching out to someone and you're afraid to because you're like, I don't know, it's kind of a big publication, just do it. Um, So I think that that was one of, that like, even having that experience was really motivating because I realized, I'm like, okay, my stories are good. I just need to, like, have the confidence to reach out about them. How
1: do you navigate denying publications and keep those good relationships? Like, when people pitch you for stories, how do you deny that? Because I'm sure your emails are just full of all sorts of
0: people saying, can you write for us and do this? How do you keep a good relationship with with whoever's reaching out and still deny them? That's a good question. I don't even know if you keep a good, I'm
2: just kidding, I'm not gonna say that. Um, (laughs) Keep that part in, that's funny. I think it's hard to keep a good relationship with everyone, but you can't keep a good relationship with everyone. Like, don't go for that. I had um, a friend, a publicist, when I first moved to New York, I was first writing at Consequence and I had like 500 emails in my inbox. And I was like, I can't answer all these emails and she's like, "Yeah, you can't." And I was like, "Wait." She's like, "Yeah, you can't answer them." Like just stop. Like stop trying to create a world where that's possible because it's really not. I think that at the core of it, you have to realize in this industry that you cannot take shit personally. Like if yeah. you start to think that people don't like you because they didn't respond to your email or that oh, so and so, I'm never going to talk to them again or write for them again or pitch to them again because they didn't answer my last email then you might as well just pack it up and go home because not everyone we don't have time yeah and you can't industry. answer every email mm-hmm. i think that when it comes to relationships build real relationships find people that resonate with you and talk to them outside of just emailing them if you like someone's work if I, like if i write something and somebody's like oh i really like that article like that builds a relationship with me if we're having a conversation about my work or what they're curious about as opposed to somebody DMing me on Twitter and going, hey, can I get uh, so-and-so's email that I know you have? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel authentic to me. Like negative it, ghostwriter. It, it, yeah, because it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. You treat people like people because they are human beings with busy schedules and with family and friends and with goals. And once you start to realize that you don't take it personally when they don't email you back or they don't email you back immediately. I think you build relationships by being respectful to the fact that people are human beings and trying to interact with them on a human level, as opposed to just seeing them as like a means to an end. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that there are times where I have had to reject pitches or I've had to like talk to people about really annoying things like making sure that they're getting paid because they haven't gotten paid yet and that you handle that with care and you treat people with respect and I also think like once you get to a place in the industry where you can help other people or you can get them in and like just don't forget where you came from and like realize like okay I was this person once and so I'm going to try to help other people get to the place they need to be in but yeah like not everyone can respond to every email not everyone can have a one-on-one chat with every single person that would like one or um, would like to have coffee and talk but I, I definitely try to like if i know somebody is really curious and like really willing to bust their ass and really wants to get in this industry especially young women and they want to have like a zoom chat or want to grab coffee Then i'm definitely willing to do it if they come from an earnest place but if somebody messages me and they're just like hey could i get so-and-so's contact How do you write about X? I'm like, okay, this isn't a conversation. Like, I'm not like a robot that just has tips and advice that you press buttons for. Like, I think you just have to treat people like human beings. You do.
0: Yeah. And artists. I love how you said like you have to you have to remember that they have a family. Like they got a dinner to go to later. They have a basic life too.
2: Um Yeah, I think remembering that musicians are people is such a weird thing that helps so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I have a
2: question for
1: you too, Erica. Like you're a real person too. So What is it? How? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Or her, the words are not I'm trying coming to compliment out. you.
0: Basically, you got this.
1: <laughs> how do you brand yourself and position yourself <coughs> on your social medias to be that voice of authority?
2: Oh, oh, that's a good question.
0: Um, Ooh, I, yeah. <laughs> I think it was hard. A it's a hard knock life. It is posting engaging all that kind of fun stuff building your own brand i mean but i feel like you kind of already have your own brand especially as a writer like i feel like you as soon as you're you're published you're fucking official and you're official erica you were so official you
2: are. <laughs> i wonder but, about that i just i feel like maybe you just like you just share your work i know that i think twitter is definitely for me like the main place where i interact with other writers and that i, I get opportunities and i'll be honest my twitter feed is a mess my twitter feed is literally me thinking things and then typing them like there's no filter it is not a place of like i would like to look professional or a place of like i would like people to think i'm cool it is literally me just unfiltered saying whatever the fuck i want but i feel like people really resonate with that and so it's it's almost like the brand becomes really just who i am which is nice because then i don't have to try to keep it up because i just being myself
0: what advice do you have for women in the music industry?
2: Honestly, just be relentless. Mm. Say it again. Just keep, be (laughs) relentless. Relentless Like if somebody says no, keep asking until somebody says yes. If it doesn't exist and you want it, create it yourself. If there's a story that you'd like to read, you should probably write it. If there's, an event that you want to take place, create it. Like I've seen my friends do some of the most badass things Uh, like my friend Tatiana creating like this emo DJ night. So much fun. She's created it because she wanted it. Um, I've worked with people that have just created zines because they wanted to, you know, focus on women in music. I mean, both of you creating this podcast so that you could focus on women in music. Like if you want it and you don't see it, create it yourself. Like, and if it doesn't work out, do something else like the only way to fail is just completely quit and not try know where you want to go and don't stop until you get there and if it takes a long time to get there it's like you set your gps if i'm like oh i'm going to san diego i know i'm going to have to stop in texas and go well i've driven really far so i'm just going to quit it's like just keep driving like it might take a long time you might have to take a lot of rest stops you might have to take a lot of bathroom breaks but keep going until you get there like and really appreciate the journey and like what you're learning and who you're meeting, and take that as part of you know the things you should celebrate because it's not the easiest place to navigate or work in. But if it's what you choose, it's what you want. That's totally worth it.
1: That's such an impactful analogy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Pack your bags, bitch. We're going. Yeah.
0: Do your own thing too. Like, that's what I got out of that mostly is just do your own thing. Cause I think a lot of the time I'm like, oh fuck, like, should I actually say this? Should I actually do this? Like, should I actually walk like this? Like, how do I want to be in my head? And then how do I want to present myself? And then, and then I think about exactly what you said, being relentless, being, being unapologetic, being you starting down that hallway, responding to the emails, not responding to the emails. Like, thank you for that.
2: I think so. I think one of the things that I realized too, which what you just said is like, People talk about that all the time. Like, just be yourself. And it sounds such like a, like you, it almost takes the meaning away because you say it so much. Like empty. But if you're truly yourself, then the right people are going to show up. But the best part that I've I realized, like the older I get, is like the wrong people are going to go away. Like the people that yeah. don't want to fuck with you, like you don't want to fuck with them either. Like show up as yourself and it's like immediate access to people that actually like you.
0: It is. And also sharing your opinions. Like if you actually don't like yeah. something, say that. Yeah. Um, thank you yeah thank you so lastly what's your gold moment what's what's the moment that you've had in your career in the music industry where you were like oh my god pinch me I'm here I did this this is real life
2: what is my gold moment I'm like almost apprehensive to say because I don't I feel like it hasn't happened yet but I mean I might be like in my like on my deathbed one day going it never happened because I'm always chasing like the next thing I will say that it was not an easy decision and it was not the I didn't have a lot of people like backing me up going yes do it you got this when I decided to literally like burn down my whole life in Atlanta and move to New York to be a music journalist I actually had lots of people tell me that that it wasn't a good idea and especially like you know like there are no jobs in the music industry like what are you doing what are you thinking so you're just gonna like move to New York you don't even have a job lined up so I think that there was a moment when I moved into my my East Village apartment and I was about to like start writing for Consequences Sound as a music editor that I had this moment of like just clarity around you created this, like you wanted this, you chose it and then you made it happen. Like you just decided you were going to do this and you made it happen. I think that that was not only just the golden moment for like my career but just like as a human being realizing if I choose something and I say I'm going to get it, then I'm capable of doing that. I think that was really that was a powerful and very validating moment because it's like even if I don't keep this, even if I don't want this forever, I know I can create the next thing that I want
1: I just want to say congratulations because one your, year your follow through is an inspiration
0: it is, and the way you think about life is really i it inspires me because i'm like that's i feel like that's my subconscious, and I feel like Sometimes when you hear yeah. like a podcast or you hear like a, a lyric or something and it, and it hits your subconscious, you're like, oh, shit, that's what I should be doing. Like, like, just thank you for for going to follow your dreams, even though you very clearly said that people told you not to.
1: That's scary. But yeah. I, I feel that I can feel you like projecting like your hopes and dreams and that just like it resonates with me. So thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm here for. Um, We actually do want to throw in one more question we forgot to ask because we're interested to know um, about what you do for Patreon.
2: So I am like their managing editor, so I basically write stories for them, edit stories for them. Um, It's an interesting space to be in because it's so similar to what I was doing with previous publications because a lot of the people that use their um that use patreon if you know what it is it's like a membership platform like people in your community basically pay for exclusive perks um and so a lot of the people that use the platform are in the music industry so it was really nice like once all these shows were canceled and touring had to go on hiatus because of um the global lockdown that artists were actually able to tap into like their fan communities and have them support them directly and not have to worry about like middlemen or a specific record label to make money um, to be sustainable. And that feels really great to even be a part of that. And basically my job there is like kind of helping to share their stories and motivate other creators and artists so that they kind of feel like they're empowered to tap into their communities and have a direct relationship with their fans so they can, you know, have sustainable careers without having to worry about how many streams they get or how much you know how many like x sales that they're making as far as like online things and really get to focus on the direct community that they have with their fans and tapping into them for support
0: so would you recommend patreon for artists right now
2: i would recommend patreon for artists that already have like a really good relationship with their fans and are able to tap into their community directly. I think, I think if you have a big audience, then it's a really great idea. If you're starting up from scratch, you might want to build your audience up first, but not even just Patreon. I would just recommend for any artist at all, period, to really tap into your fan base more than anything else. Like, those are your people. What They're do you the mean whole by point, that?
0: right? Like, do you mean like engaging? Really like communicating.
2: To them? Yeah. Like engaging with, responding to, knowing what it is that excites them and drives them. And I don't mean that from a place of like, only make artistic decisions based on, are my fans going to like this? I think that mm-hmm. that could be very strange and a little daunting and not why people pursue creative careers. But really looking at their fans as like we, we like we talked about, like humanizing them and seeing them as like, yeah, it's a relationship. It's not it doesn't have to be the relationship that you have with, like, the people that are in your life, Um, but it, like, there needs to be some space for, like, really building community and really connecting with your fans directly in a way where they know, like, that they're supporting someone that really genuinely cares about them as a fan. And as a fan, like, I'm not saying, like, you have to, like, over share on social media, or consistently, constantly like go live and talk to people directly, but just like make it known. I think that goes a long way.
0: Yeah, in yes, 2020, ma'am. we are we are being human. That's it. Yeah, we are, we're gonna we are... be
2: humans. We're gonna be successful humans, but like we sure that's are. That's all we can be. But we like, might what fail, like, and that's okay. Yeah. Or fall, or stumble, and that's okay. And also, like the idea of failure, I think is so funny. Like you can you can't really fail. Like if you're alive, like you just do something else. <laughs>
0: was that's a chilly yeah oh that was good you're on a roll now
1: pencils down the test is over and our time has come to an end on another incredible podcast you'll get knocked down you'll be told no but remember you are human and capable of incredible things you are relentless Mm
0: -hmm. set your goals pack your bags and go on your journey And so many of our listeners have asked how to support us. So speaking of Patreon, we are new to the team. Hi. (laughs) That means you can support us in exchange for extra content. Our first subscription is only $5 a month. And with that, you get an extra episode of commentary from yours truly. Ta-da. Mikaela and I want to make this a full-time career. And now that we're on our fifth episode, whoa, we want you to have backstage access to know just how exciting things are about to get. We've attached our Patreon link in the description of this episode. Can't wait to see you there. Help support us.